We are looking at Mary's visit with Elizabeth. And both ladies uh, share some, some words. They both proclaim God's goodness. And, and they both do it with a spirit of joy. That they are both experiencing the blessings of God. I mean, here we, we've looked at Elizabeth who is old and has been barren. And now she has a baby growing inside of her. And here comes Mary into her home. Mary has just left uh, Nazareth. The angel had come and told her that she was going to be the the mother of God's son. And, And her primary question was, how is that going to happen exactly? Because I'm a virgin. I have not known a man and I am not currently married and not going to have any children anytime soon. And the angel told her that the power of the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her and she would conceive. And then he told her, remember last week, he told her that even uh, your cousin Elizabeth, who was barren, is now uh, with child because nothing will be impossible with God. And I I said that, you know, one of the reasons why Elizabeth was, I I think, personally, I think one of the reasons why God chose to allow Elizabeth and Zechariah to be barren for so long and to be growing older was so that he could work this miracle in their lives so that Mary could be encouraged and could know that this was going to happen. It It was things to help. He didn't have to use an elderly couple to have John the Baptist. He chose to for his own purposes. And and what we see in in this passage as Mary comes to visit Elizabeth is that, you know, remember at the the very end when Mary uh, answered the angel, she said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And that was quite a different response than Zachariah's, which was, How can I know this for sure? And then he ends up walking out mute. And, and what we're going to see in, in this passage, and we're, we're just going to walk through it, uh, taking little sections at a time. But the first thing I want us to see as we, as we begin, especially with Elizabeth's commitments uh, to Mary, that there is joy and blessing for those who believe God. You know, whereas Zechariah didn't believe and he ends up mute, Now, he eventually does believe, and he does get joy, because the angel promised him those things. For Mary, who has believed at the very beginning, for Mary, who has acted on that belief by going to see Elizabeth, there is joy, and there is blessing for her. And in our lives, there is joy and blessing for those who believe God. And we're going to see that in this verse first section where uh, Elizabeth is speaking to Mary. As it says in verse 39, now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry. She did not delay. She did not take her time. She got there as fast as she could. She went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. That word leapt literally means to leap for joy. 
There you can, there's other words that you can use in the Greek to say that you jump. But this idea is that burst of joy that we get where our body just reacts to our emotional state. The baby within her leapt for joy and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now here's, a, here's something amazing going on in there. She hasn't been filled with the Spirit even though the baby within her has the Holy Spirit as the, the angel was telling Zacharias that he was going to be a Nazarite. He was, he was going to... Um, have the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, verse 15 said. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. But while, while the baby has had the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth hasn't had the Holy Spirit. She hasn't had any uh, prophetic announcements. She hasn't had the Holy Spirit guiding her and how she lives as a pregnant woman. Isn't that amazing how, how pinpoint accurate the Lord can be? In this, And yet when the baby leapt for joy within her womb, when she heard, just think of what's going on here. She hears Mary's greeting. The baby responds to what the mother has heard. And now Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a permanent filling of the Holy Spirit. It's very much an Old Testament style filling of the Holy Spirit where at times the Holy Spirit could come upon a person and they would speak or they would do something. And then the Holy Spirit departed. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was not uh, given to people permanently. It would come upon them for purposes and actions. And so the Holy Spirit now is filling Elizabeth. And so in verse 42, she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Notice she's, she's, she's first saying, blessed are, is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Not the future mother of my Lord, but the mother of my Lord. Somewhere in between the time that the angel departed Mary and Mary has come into Elizabeth's house, she is conceived. While she was on the road, she is conceived. She probably hasn't even been aware of it. She probably hasn't even noticed yet. But she has conceived and the baby in Elizabeth knows and Elizabeth now is prophesying and knows she is pregnant. She has conceived. She has a fruit in her womb. She is the mother of my Lord. How is it that you have blessed me to come to my house? She says in verse 44, For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. So she knows because of the baby's reaction. She doesn't know from her own knowledge. This isn't something that she can see. But no, because of the baby within her, his reaction, she knows the Messiah is here in Mary. And finally, she says in verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary, that, that, that last um, blessing is talking about Mary. In fact, what, what this is, this section, is a, a threefold blessing. It's interrupted by how is it that the 
how can it be that uh, the mother of my Lord would come to me? But there's a, a threefold blessing that Elizabeth is doing. The, the first blessing is, blessed are you among women. Now, why is Mary blessed among women? Because she's going to have the Messiah. Because God has chosen her to be the mother of His Son. That's what makes Mary blessed. That, that God has called her out and chosen her for this work. So she is blessed among women. The, the second blessing is, blessed is the fruit of your womb, which we're talking about Jesus. Blessed is the fact that you are pregnant. Blessed is the one who is going to come from you, who is going to save his people. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then finally, the third blessing, after that little interruption about how is it that you're in my house, blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. See, where Zacharias said, how can I know for sure that there would be fulfillment? He wanted proof. Mary, she didn't ask, how can I know for sure? She just said, how's that going to happen? Because I'm not exactly in a position to have children. And the angel explained to her that something uh, miraculous was going to happen in her life, that she wasn't going to have a man give her a child, that God was going to give her a child through the power of the Holy Spirit. And she believed. She said, behold, your bondservant. May it happen to me according to your word. She believed. And so that's what, that's what uh, Elizabeth is praising her for and blessing her is that she believed. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. Mary's coming to is proof of her faith. It's proof of her, uh, the fact that she believed. Because when the angel said, you're going to have this baby, and by the way, your cousin Elizabeth is already pregnant, and now it's the sixth month, she went to see. She believed and went to verify. If she hadn't believed, she would have thought, nah. But she took the effort and she took the time and she took the cost to travel from Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to see Elizabeth. What, what this threefold blessing does as well, though, is it also... It, it emphasizes the blessings on Mary by having her be in the outside, but it also focuses our attention to the one who brings the blessings in the middle. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Because quite frankly, uh, had she not believed, and had God not chosen her to carry Jesus, neither of the other two uh, blessings would matter. They all build off the fact that within her, she is carrying the Messiah, the Son of God. But these blessings are, are focused to, to, to go together and, and, and to highlight what is happening in her life. And, and Jesus is the one who gives us the blessings. Jesus is the reason why any of us today are blessed. If we know Him and believe in Him and follow Him, we're blessed. And if we believe in Him and follow Him, we experience joy. This whole passage is just filled with joy from Elizabeth on behalf of Mary. And Elizabeth has got some rough days ahead. She's got to deliver a baby in her twilight years, as you might put it. That cannot be a fun thing to look forward to. She knows that her son has been called to a, 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 an important task, but also a difficult task. 
the people who come to call God's people back. It's not an easy road to be a prophet. And yet, there is such joy because they are walking and serving in the ways that God has called them to be. They are experiencing things for all the difficulties they're going to face. They're experiencing things that nobody else would. And so they're, they're filled. They have believed God. God is acting in their lives. And they are experiencing the joys and the blessings that come with following God. And that's available for all of us in a different way. But there is always going to be joy and blessing to those who believe God. We see that in Paul. When, even when he was in prison, he was grateful for his chains. He was blessed. He had joy because he was serving God and he was where God wanted him to be. And he was even able to suffer for Jesus. A believer in Jesus, they, they count it joy to suffer for him. Consider it joy when they undergo various trials for him. That's what he brings in our lives. As, as Mary responds to Elizabeth, uh, we are going to see that first, Mary's going to have two primary things that she's going to focus on. The first is that she, she's, she's going to uh, focus on how God shows great mercy to those who humbly fear him. She's, she's, she is looking at her life and she is looking at how she has responded to the Holy Spirit and to the angels speaking to her. And as she is, as Elizabeth has prophesied on her behalf, she is now going to proclaim too. And we don't know if this is just coming ecstatically or if this is something she has been mulling over on her trip. If your Bible translation is anything like mine, you'll notice mine is, it does prose where it has full justification for prose things, but then if it's poetic, or a song that somebody has created, it will change its uh, format. And, and that's what this is. In the original language that she would have spoken, this is a song or a poem that she has composed. There, it, it follows the rules of poetry and song of her day. It's, it's not just a bunch of nice little words. I mean, so, so either the Holy Spirit is inspiring her, or she spent some time working this out and thinking about it. So it's an, this is great stuff that she says. But first, her focus is on how God shows great mercy to those who humbly fear Him. Verse 46 tells us, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. Literally, my soul makes great of God, of the Lord. This word exalt is to make great. And that's important. Uh, my spirit, in verse 47, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. There is a word, uh, a root word of rejoice is joy. To have joy, to rejoice. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Why? Verse 48, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. He has seen the, the, the horrible state that I am in, and he has regarded it. He has noticed it. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. Just as Elizabeth has proclaimed that she is blessed, she says, I'm just a humble bond slave. 
But God has regarded me in my state, and He has elevated me from this generation on, or from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. They're going to think I'm a person who is blessed. They're going to, uh, that word to, to, to be blessed uh, means to, to, to be spoken well of, to have good words said about you, to have favor in this case. She says in verse 49, for the mighty one, and mighty one has the idea of great, and, and she is exalted, she is made great of the Lord, and the mighty one, the, the great one, same root words going on here that are in, in the Greek that are forming these words. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. So, so she's... Part of what she's doing, and you'll notice the, the text is a little bit different there, she's actually quoting Scripture in her song. She is bringing forth from her knowledge of, of, of the Scriptures and proclaiming her faith in God. She is, she's elevating and saying how great He is. But what does He do? He has, he has shown, uh, He has done great things for her, and His mercy is upon generation after generation towards the, those who who fear him. And there, there are some key themes going through here. The, that she'll make God, she'll make great of God, she'll exalt him, and that he is great. But also that he has done great things for her. And, and earlier in verse 48, she was talking about how all generations will count me blessed. And then in verse 50, she's talking about how his mercy is upon generation after generation. So the, the focus is very much not just on the moment, but on all times. God has done great things. God will continue to do great things. God has blessed me. God has shown me mercy. God has, has, has elevated me. And God's mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. It's, it's a very specific group of people that God's mercy is toward. Those who fear Him. Those who revere Him. Those who recognize who He is, that He is sovereign, and properly respond. Mary comes from a humble state. And in her exaltation, and in her talking about how great she is now, you know, all generations, I mean, that, doesn't that sound just a little bit big-headed? All generations are going to consider me blessed from today forever. But it's not. She is coming at it from a humble state. And it's not because of what she has done. It's because of what God has done. She is just a, a, a player in His story. And all of her praise, it's not towards her. She's not saying, I'm so great. She's saying, God is so great. And because God is so great, every generation is going to consider me blessed because of what God has done. Because He is the one who shows great mercy. He is the one who, who shows great mercy, as verse 50 says. His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. Toward those who humbly fear Him. Not, you know, th th there are people who fear God in an anger type of a way. But we are called to fear Him as children would fear a father, not in a, 
a bad way, but a good way. The idea of to revere Him, to honor Him, to not want to do those things that would bring His name into disrepute, but things that would He would be pleased of. I saw recently, just, just this morning, in fact, a, uh, an Air Force pilot. I, I do not remember his name because I just saw the article. He was flying an F-4 in northern Vietnam. They were doing a bombing run, and one of the guys in his sortie uh, got hit, and he was losing fuel, and he was going to have to bail out, and they were over north Vietnam. And the guy who's just passed away, he was 89 when he passed away, he got up underneath and saw the damage, and then he saw the other F-4's tail hook. F-4's were equipped with tail hooks to help them land, Naval pilots always use them. It's rare to be on an Air Force plane, though. But he had his, his partner lower his tail hook. And he pulled his plane up underneath it until he got that tail hook on his cockpit, the canopy. And then he started giving it a little bit of thrust, and he started pushing the other airplane. And by doing that, he was able to push his, his wingman out of North Vietnam to Laos where they were both able to eject and everybody lived and everybody was uh, recovered by friendly forces and they all made it home. His fear was if his buddy had to punch out over North Vietnam, he was probably going to die. He would be killed. Or taken POW and that was going to be bad too. He actually was almost court-martialed for it because he had used up his airplane, and he hadn't brought his airplane safely home. And, but fortunately, he was saved from that court-martial. When he was asked why he did it, and, and, and didn't, wasn't he afraid that he would, might you know, damage his canopy and kill himself, his reason for doing it was he just couldn't go home and have his dad ask him, well, did you try? Did you try to save him? He said, you know, I, I needed to be able to at least tell my dad I tried. That, that's, that's fear of a father right there. It wasn't fear as in he's going to get me. It was I want to be able to stand and tell him I did my best, Dad. I tried. And that's how he ended up saving that man. And that's the kind of fear we are called to have of the father. Not fear where we cower and we don't want to approach Him. No, we are those who enter with confidence. Like children going into their father. They have confidence because they're a child. It's like when kids come over to our house, you know, the William might have his buddies come over. They don't just open the fridge. They don't. They don't get to go ransacking through our fridge and pulling out what they want. They can do that at their own houses, but in our house, they don't do that. But William does on a regular basis, sometimes multiple times per meal because he's bulking up sometimes. He has full right, no matter how much we might complain about him eating us out of house and home. We've never put a lock on the fridge and said, you're not allowed. Sometimes we may say, not that meal, not that item. But he's got full range as does Catherine and Nathan. Why? Because they're kids. They're children of the home. They walk in with confidence and open up the fridge. 
They don't do that to other people's houses, I hope. Maybe they do. Maybe they've been given permission. But there is something about being a child who has permission and who has the confidence to walk in and open up the pantry, the fridge. And that is the, that is the way we are supposed to approach God as children who have confidence that we are children, that we belong. And yet we also have fear. Humble fear. The fear of, I want to be able to stand and say, I tried. I want to be able to say, I tried at least something. I did my best. I know that's what God expects. The kind of fear that says, I know what God expects, and so I'm going to do that. Those are the people that He shows His mercy to. And it's great, great mercy generation after generation. And this is what Mary is saying when she thinks about God. This is who He is. And this is what He has done. Beyond uh, His great mercy, though, she also, in, in what God is doing in her body and what God is doing through Jesus Christ. Now, through Jesus, this is how God shows His mercy. His great mercy to those who humbly fear Him through Jesus Christ. But also through Jesus Christ, what we're going to see is that God overthrows the way of the world. And Mary is very aware of how God is actively overthrowing the way of the world. Everything about the nativity and the, the, the incarnation is an overthrowing of the way of the world. You know, the Magi, where do they go to find the baby born king of the Jews. They go, to the, they go to the temple. They go to the castle. They go to the king. We're here to see the one born king of the Jews. Who are the, who is the first one told about the birth of this child? Not the prophets, not the Sadducees, not the Pharisees, not the priests, but shepherds. People in Jesus' time who, uh, to call somebody a shepherd was call them a dirty word. Shepherds were not looked up upon. They didn't have stuffed lambs everywhere and they didn't elevate them in their uh, kitsch departments. Shepherds were thought of as uh, to be robbers and thieves and liars. Just as we have the word cretin, because all cretes are liars. Well, that was the idea of a shepherd in, to the Jews in Jesus' time. And yet, they're the ones that God announces this birth to. And, and a young maiden from a backwater town is the one who gets to be the mother of the Messiah. And Jesus comes and He's not a conquering Messiah. He's not uh, creating an army to fight. But He comes to die, to serve. To be a servant to many. God overthrows the way of the world. And this is what Mary elevates and focuses on in the second part. In verse 51, she says, He has done mighty deeds with His arms. The, the, the idea of mighty there is again, just like exalt and just like the mighty one, it's this idea of being great. He has done greatness with His arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. They were arrogant. They were proud in their thinking and in their hearts and the way they viewed the world. And 
He has scattered them. He has considered her humble situation. He has consideration for her humble state. But these who are proud, He has scattered them. Not only that, in verse 52, He has brought down rulers from their thrones and He has exalted those who were humble. And so just as we we were seeing a lot of um, similar ideas in the first half, now we're seeing uh, contrary ideas. The thrones, the people who are on the thrones are the ones who are exalted and elevated here on earth, but God is bringing them down. And those who are down, who are lower, who are humble, He is exalting, He is raising them up. And so we're seeing this this. Uh, change in fortune, this overthrowing of the way of the world. Verse 53 tells us, He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. And, and, and empty-handed uh, and filled. He has filled the hungry with good things. That word filled literally means satisfy. It, it's, it's that you are full, not overly stuffed, Sometimes we can eat too much and we're not satisfied. We feel a little sick. This is the idea. Filled him just right. He has satisfied the hungry. And yet, those who are rich, those who have no business being hungry, those who probably are stuffing themselves too far, they are left and sent away empty-handed. They are sent away void, empty, hollow. The very opposite of full. The hungry people should be feeling this way, but instead the rich have been sent away this way. It even has the idea of vain. You know that vanity is a vapor. It's not there. He's made all their wealth vain. They are empty. He has sent them away. Verse 54 tells us, He has given help to Israel. His servant, in remembrance of His mercy, of His own mercy, God's mercy, He has given help to Israel as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. How has He done this? He is doing all this through Jesus, His Son, who is currently being carried by Mary, who is proclaiming these truths even though they haven't happened yet. Even though there will come times when His disciples will be hungry, they, they won't always be full, but we're always full of the Lord. And there are people in this world who seem rich and they seem like they have it all, but He is sending them away void and empty and hollow. And so much of the world, so much of the things that the world elevates and says this is good, this is worth giving your life for, it's just empty in the end. There's nothing there. But in Jesus, and, and this is what she's focusing on there in the last two verses, that He has given help to, his, to Israel, His servant, the people of God, and as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. She's recognizing that what's happening in her life is the fulfillment of promises since Abraham. Really since before that. But as was told to Abraham, in your seed, the whole world, all the nations of the world will be blessed. What he has spoken to 
Abraham. He is fulfilling in her in that day through Jesus. God is taking the way of the world and, and, and how it operates and the things that people expect and He is just overthrowing it through what He is doing to, for her in her life and what He is doing through Jesus, His Son. We're told in verse 56 after this that Mary stayed with her, Elizabeth, about three months and then returned to her home. And if we're counting, that means Elizabeth, when Mary leaves, is right at the nine-month mark. And when Mary is going home at three months, that's first trimester over, she's showing a little bit. Just a little bit. She's going home pregnant. Well, she showed up pregnant, but she's going home definitely without the ability to deny. There will be questions that will be asked. There will be assumptions made. There'll be rumors started. But right now, her focus is on the Lord. She is full of joy in the blessings that God has given her in her life. And she is thinking about, and, and, and as we think about all that is going on in this, and it's such a familiar story at times, isn't it? I, I, it bugs me how familiar I can be with this. But God truly did a great thing through the incarnation and the birth of Jesus. He's doing a great thing still in our lives. We may not even be seeing it. We may not even be aware of it. We're just going along the journey of our lives and He is doing something great and we don't even see it. Just like Mary, somewhere along the line, she got pregnant. She conceived and started growing a child within her womb. And by the time she showed up, Elizabeth, knew because John knew. And she told her about the joy and the blessing for those who believe God. And I, I just want to encourage us as we, as we close this morning. Do you believe what God has proclaimed to you? Do you believe in His great mercy that He shows to those who humbly fear Him? Do you believe in Jesus Christ who came and lived a full and perfect life, died on the cross, and three days later rose again? Do you believe that because of this He has completely overthrown the way of the world? That those who are proud are going to be humbled and those who are humbled are going to be exalted? Do you know today the joy and the blessing that comes with believing in Jesus Christ and following Him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have made known to us the work You are doing, the work that You have done through Your Son. We don't always see the work in our own lives. We don't always see the changes but Lord, we pray that we would believe that You are at work in our hearts and our lives today. That You are at work in the lives of our friends and family who do not yet know Jesus Christ. But we pray, Lord, we pray that their hearts would be open to You. That they would receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit and believe.
We pray, Lord, that we would see in our lives that those who humble themselves and who fear You would be exalted by You, Lord. And those who set themselves up against You, who are rich in their own ways, Lord, that we would see the the vanity of it, the hollowness of their lives. We thank You, not just today, but every day as we follow Your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.